Welcome to the Calm Down Yourself podcast. In the Calm Down Yourself podcast, this week we explore the diets, exercise, regimes and daily routines we experimented with to remain healthy, calm and happy in our lives. John is my brother and co-host. And when he was three, he put his hand on a hot iron and his hand swelled up like a balloon. I don't remember that, but Chris is my brother and co-host. And he, when he was younger, he was in a band and had hair down to his elbows, which I do remember. I do remember that, embarrassingly enough. Um, okay, John, this week on the podcast, we're discussing food. And in particular, we want to know about the difference between health food and junk food. But firstly, here's a quick rundown of what we're going to discuss in today's show. Um, so we're going to talk a bit about what exercise we've done this week. Um, I've been out quite a few times, so happy to talk about that. John has been following a new program called Noom. Um, so he's going to tell you all about what that is and how it works and what the benefits are and how you can sign up for it. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the difference between whole foods and ultra processed foods. I've been writing about that in a blog on Medium this week. Um, and then we'll give some book and podcast recommendations. First, we are going to the Leeds Liverpool Canal with John and his dog Dharma out for his morning walk. This is the Rufford Spur off the Leeds Liverpool Canal. This is normally my uh, like summer evening or Sunday walk, but for a couple of reasons I brought Dharma here this morning. Any dog owners would know that you can exercise your dog, but if, what they say is to real tire them out, you'd have to exercise the breed. So if it was Jess, you know, you, you get her to pretend to, to hunt for birds and things. But with Dharma, she's a guard dog, so how do I kind of how do I exercise the breed? So I let her patrol up and down on the canal and keep control of her on the lead and let her think that she's guarding. She's guarding me, she's guarding the canal. But lately, she's um, now she's getting bigger. I'm struggling to keep control of that side of her. So I'm really happy that tonight um, I've got the, the dog trainers back open now. And it's the same lady that helped us train Jess nearly a decade ago. But um, she's a Rottweiler and Doberman specialist and she owns uh, like three or four of them. So she's absolutely perfect for me. And I had a big 20 minute conversation with the things that I've, I've tried that have worked and things that haven't worked. Um, but she's, she's a really lovely lady. And it's nice, the sun's just come through the clouds. It was a bit misty coming down here. And hopefully you can hear just the birds are out. And I've tucked down on the side of the canal where this side of the path, it's a little uh, cul-de-sac eventually. It goes to one side of a lock. Hey, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on. She has this fabulous thing of bouncing up and down and uh, just coming up to say hello to your face, get to face level, but she pounces mud all over your jacket. Yeah, so this is a little cul-de-sac and I bring her down here so I can let her go off the lead on purpose. Hey, 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 come on, come on. Because as much as I, I know she barks, and she, here she goes, right on cue again. Come here, come here. Come on, come on. And at this time in the morning, there's no houses, no nothing. Hey, I let, it, I let her just have the little time to bark. <laughs> so, come on, come on. So I've reached the little spot now, and uh, well, what I like to do is I bring Dharma and Jess down to this little spot where it's uh, it's the first lock on the Rufford tributary. So 
the Rufford branch as they call it, this was this was built a few years after the Leeds Liverpool and it opens up Rufford uh, down to Bersco and then, and then away to Leeds Liverpool so I suppose it was all about the mills in those days. Um, but right now this, hey, hey, I've actually, get off, took my shoes and socks off because I, I dipped my feet, hey, I dipped my feet in the water in the little tributary. Um, it's just, I don't know what it is. Is it nice? Is it a, a childish thing? But um, I've been using the Leeds Liverpool Canal a lot lately for leisure and little adventures. And I did want to talk about micro adventures today. So I've always wanted to live in the countryside and go walking and go hiking and biking and swimming. And yet in this restriction and in the lockdown, I've been using what was local as per the guidance and the Leeds Liverpool was the obvious choice. Don't get me wrong, everybody else was too. But I decided on Saturday to put a rucksack on my back and just go for go for a slow jog. Sorry, Dharma is trying to steal my socks. And um, the slow jog turned out to be uh, uh, 20 miles. Um, I did well to about 15. And then uh, after that, it was more of a, a jog walk. Uh, but I took some water and I took some food which I ran out of it was very warm but what it did long story short it hurt my feet and this lovely this lovely cold water is helping is helping my feet so I just thought damn it appears to want to bark at the water um, but she seems to like it and again anything that Let's tire it out. There's nobody here. There's not a soul around. There's no houses. Again, I've spent years and years um, thinking, oh, to do that, I need the best kit. To, to run 20 miles, I need to do a full training program, get, a, get an instructor, eat right. And, and yeah, to do it without injury, you can't just get off the couch and, and, and knock out 20 miles, whether it's slow, whether it's walking or whatever. You do have to have some equipment, but essentially it was just me, some shorts, a t-shirt, headphones, a couple of podcasts and a pair of trainers. And when it got a little bit too tough, I just walked and I was in no rush. It was Saturday afternoon, the sun was out, there was tons of people on the canal just doing similar stuff. But I managed to go somewhere that I've, I've only ever been either on my push bike or in the truck. So I was like, yeah, really kind of proud of that. And it's opened the door in my head now of all of these things where you think that you need uh, to do a bikepacking adventure. Oh, I need a bikepacking uh, setup, which is 200 pounds. You need a, a thousand pound bike and, you know, you need to do a training session and go on a course. And, oh no, if you've got an old 26 inch wheel mountain bike and a rucksack, well, that's perfect. Find what's local to you. It just so happens Leeds Liverpool is local to me. So I'm making the best of it. In the summer, I spoke to some friends and we've all got different bikes. We're gonna go along Leeds of Pool Canal about 40 miles and I found a little campsite. When those guys open back up, we're gonna take our stuff. And we're gonna camp for the night, have a few beers and come back. Simple, done. We're not gonna go fast. We're gonna take all day to do 40 miles. We're gonna have a few beers and come back the next day. So that's, that's already in. And then I've got a friend who's just done, oh, he's doing some, while camping and he's, he's picked a little spot by Patterdale in the lake. So again, I'm not comfortable going up there yet. I'm waiting for the restrictions to ease a little more. I just think that's a little bit more responsible. And, um, and that, that's my next adventure and the bag's packed.
Right folks, so we've got Dharma away from the water now and calm it down. I'm just listening to the birds and the trees. I wish sometimes that you could, uh, just like Chris Packham off the TV, you could just <coughs> name the birds. Oh. Let's see if we can hear any. Oh, I think Dharma's scaring them away. Hey! That's the bit, the bit of a behaviour where, yeah, it's, it's moved on to the next tree. That's the bit of a behaviour that I'm looking to the dog trainer for some assistance. Yeah, she's a guard dog. Yeah, she was excited with the water and barking, but to gain that control to just say, okay, I acknowledge that enough. She's just a little bit young at the moment and she gets a bit overexcited. But now we seem to have her back. And she did scare the birds along to the next tree. <laughs> I'd love to know what bird that is, if you can hear that. Okay, John. Um, so, what exercises have you been doing this week? Um, mainly sticking to the running plan. So, we've been trying the, um, you know, the the Maffetone, the aerobic threshold training. So, I did a little bit of that, and then after a couple of weeks ago, when I ran the 20 miles, or I kind of I jogged, walked the last few miles, and the trainers I had on, I had hokers on, which are good for you know, I'm six two nearly 100 kilos so it's meant to be good padding and abort the ones that are made for ultra distance but my feet didn't suit them and it made my toes swell up um and i had a bit horrible but i had swelling sacks underneath four toenails so it looks like i'll probably lose a couple of toenails and i accidentally stubbed my toe in work and they burst uh, and i had i had flip-flops on and, and all of a sudden my flip-flops were wet i was like what's that and they burst but it was good because it relieved the pressure from my toes so I couldn't do what I wanted to do. However, it forced me into a break. And this week, with losing the weight that I've been losing, which I know we're going to go on to this week, um, I've started doing like seven and a half minute, seven, 20 minute miling, which for me is quick. I'm normally eight minute miler at best. And yesterday I went out and did like a, I go over a couple of little flyovers, if you like. And I normally do that. 8.30 to 9 minute mile and, and yesterday I did it without looking at me watch I just had the app um, recording in the background and I came back and it was 8 minute 17 I think but my exertion level felt like it was slower so something's really? happening something's worked the rest I only did a little bit of math training I did you know 4 or 5 runs that were long mm. But losing that bit of weight, whatever's whatever's happening in this moment, I'm doing my last like two runs. I did that two miler, a little two miler, which just out and back because I was running out of time. And um, again, I think I did 7.25 miling and that felt good. And then that slow one, which felt slow, was 8.17, which isn't traditionally slow for me. 
So what was the heart rate on the eight seventeen? I didn't, I didn't put it on. I just went through exertion this time because I, I get obsessed with the numbers and I run with me, me, me wrist half cocked, and I don't look at the roads. I look at the bloody watch. But I just thought, just go off perceived exertion, uh, and I've done that enough mm-hmm. over the years to understand what that feels like. And to do eight seventeen mile and then come back and go, yeah, it was warmish or warm for me in the UK, but um, within. 60 seconds, my, my breath was back to normal and my heart, it was, you know, you could feel it coming down. So, um, but my weight loss graph that I think we should post so you can see it, um, it's starting to yeah. stall. I'm starting to hover. So bef- before I was logging it on the new map, um, I was hovering around the 16, 16, 2. Well, now I'm hovering around the 15, 15, 2, and sometimes I dip below and then sometimes on the weekend it goes above. So I've also started putting some body weight exercises um, back in. So um, little sets of press-ups, crunches and burpees and just doing them after the run once you've kind of got your heart rate back. Um, and So I brought them back in to just try and get a little bit of lean muscle mass because it always works for me and then just try and kick mm. Because my target was 14.12, and I've hit it a few times now. I've done 14.9, 14.10. But again, I flip up to 15.15.2. I'm going to use the target of 14.7, so it pushes it down a bit more. But um, I was reading in the new map regarding um, your metabolism. So if I've brought my weight down to this level and say I need 2,000 calories, 2,100 calories, what it's telling me now is is that because you brought your weight down, your metabolic your metabolic rate alters. So traditionally, you would come down about four or five hundred calories below what your average guy would be running at. So if you were the same weight as me and you were the being the same weight as me and same height as me for twenty years, you might be two thousand calories. But because I brought my weight down, I'm more likely to need sixteen hundred or seventeen hundred calories because your metabolism has altered what you've done with it in the last mm. few months. So that's why. Between that and it getting used to the running, my body getting used to the running, I've been doing the new map for 30 odd days now straight, the eating and, and plus me exercise. So um, I've got to, I've got to change it up now. So that's what I've been doing. Been reading that. I've been running. I'm feeling great in the run. But now I've put back the press ups, sit ups, and burpees, and I'm going to do that each day as well because they don't take long. But have you been out? Yeah. You've been, you been running or? Yeah, I've um, been sticking to the math. Um, well, I, actually, I'm, I'm doing the um, the same uh, the same training program that I did last year for the marathon, which is the um, uh, the Matt. What's his name? I've forgotten his name at the moment. But it is eighty twenty program. So it's yeah. it's a lot of uh, slow running, and there's a long run. But everything's to the math, apart from one run yeah. a week. It's so the, the same the, premise, the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, so the 20% is the fast. And even then, I didn't go too fast because I'm still, my the, the inside of my knee, which I think is the MCL, um, is still there. I can just feel it. So I went, so this week I've run, I think, every day, apart from one, following this program. But because it's so slow and easy, I haven't really been exerting myself. And the weather's been quite cool now we're going into winter in sydney or in winter so I, I did a long run today 17 and a half k's and it was easy to keep my uh, heart rate below uh, um below my below 135 
and it was it was sitting around one thirty, one three three, up and down. The average over the whole run was one three one. So the paper six forty five. Okay, so you're below the 7Ks. Because when, when I did that yeah. 20 mile, I think I was around that, wasn't that around the 7K? Yeah. And keep in mind, at 135, you're similar there, weren't we? Yeah, that's right. And it's because the um, the um when you do the walking for a long time in that long run, it you know, it, it, it takes. But I didn't really do, I did a little bit of run, walking, not very, like, you know, less than a minute worth of walking. It was all just slow, slow jogging, which... Which is really good, and it was. Uh, I kept normally when I've gone past say 10k, my heart rate nearly starts to jump above 145, and um, it didn't do that today. So, yeah, so you've got to watch good. it. That's a tip for people who are who are first starting with this or unsure of this. So when it, it talks about when you stop your run and you look at your average heart rate, I used to do this. So um, it would say 136, and you're like, oh right, brilliant, I did it. But then when you, if you have an app that looks at your training, your heart rate training zones, you'll find that a large percentage of it was spent in like those gray areas, you know, um, yeah. not, do, not doing enough, doing too much. Yeah. So it's the idea that um, start your watch, start your heart rate monitor after you warm up and then stop your watch yeah. uh, before you warm down and then you'll get you through. But with the, the Apple watch that I've got, it shows it live. So without a, um, you know, obviously there's a lag to your heart rate responding to anything, whether it be 60 mm. seconds or whatever, a couple of minutes. But then you can watch it live. Unfortunately, it's on your wrist. So you find yourself not even enjoying where you go and you're just staring at your wrist. And that's where now and again, I'll just, um, I'll, I won't wear the watch. I'll just put it away and go on off perceived exertion. I sent you the link to um, Phil Maffetone's. He's brought out the set of headphones that yes, yeah. will take your heart rate in the ear as you're running. That's 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 a good bit of a bit of marketing for both for him and for uh, for people who want to follow the Maffetone. So you don't yeah fall over as you run. You've just got the heart rate in your ear, and then mm-hmm. you can you don't you don't have to go. Oh, uh, you know, it will just you can just as you're running, you can just adjust your stride slowly. That that's all I do now. I, I don't start off too quick that I know I'm going to go zoom up to my heart rate quick and then shoot past it. I let it build slowly of the first K or two. So I'm going below, I'm well below the threshold and then slowly move up to it. And then once you've been doing two or three Ks, I find it much easier to hold the pace at the and the heart rate steady. It's, it's easier if you start slower. It really is. No, I got, when I did that 20 mile, it felt good and I was just feathering on the edge. When I told you when I started running, like doing one run a day when we started these lockdowns, and then I must have done three months of running, and then how many jump miles I've done there is unbelievable. And then I, I, I told you every day I'd go out and I wouldn't know whether I was going to have a good run or a bad run. It's because I never put the base miles in and never slowed down and actually did some structured training. I just thought running enough, like the bad old days. I, I've done enough over the years to understand it was crap, but it was just that, you know, that one exercise or one hour of exercise or whatever the bloody rule was. But now putting the math back in, doing a couple of little quick sessions and then I do them perceived efforts, Chris, do them like um, once a week or something. You're just going to do three or four miles, like five or six, seven K and just do it as perceived effort and then see where you're at because that's, that's a good indicator of if you are, like I'm going to do the marathon in Liverpool in October 
you do want to push yourself for a time because I'm I'm going to push myself now because the triathlon is called off in um, Wales and Snowdon. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's gone now. So they've cancelled it oh, because Wales, yeah, Wales aren't lifting their restrictions the same as um, England. So they've cancelled it and they just transferred our entry money to next year. So that half Ironman swimming around Lambertus Lake, cycling around Snowdonia and then running up Snowdon. Yeah. You're secretly pleased. See, well, I, I text, um, <laughs> I, I text the mate and said I don't know whether to be happy or sad. And yeah. he, he's done stuff in the past, and he said, "Yeah, sounds it's always, hellish to me." It's always a weird one, but that's been nemesis, isn't it? As hills being a, a bigger frame person, so I thought, well, let's go for it. But now, anyway, now that's off. Focus on the marathon a little bit more. I was just going to jog around, according to you know the training guy that I was speaking to. What um, time are you going to go for? Do you know? Well, I'd just like, I'd really, really, really just like it to say three at the start and whatever else that is. If it's 3.59.59, I couldn't care less. But having um, only ever done that 120 mile and the wheels were falling off about 15 miles in, so I know I've got to do build it up. It gets harder. Yeah. I, 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 I was so close. I had it in my head that I wanted to do four but when i started the race i was like 4:15. i went with the 4:15 paces and i thought if i feel good i'll speed up but i'm telling you at the end of the race <laughs> you don't feel good all you want to do is, is stop and slow down so if you're going to go for it i think you need to try and you know go with a go with a 345 pacer and let yourself tail off to four yeah that's, what I'd do. that's oh, what i might try and do if i, if I get to do the sydney one I don't, know if, I don't know if the Sydney one's on this year or not. Um, but that's normally in September as well, so hopefully it is. Interesting. I think about that because I was thinking of going the other way. I was thinking of going with, like, I don't know how they will do it. Did he have a 4.10, a 4.5, a 4.15? I don't know. In the half marathons that I've done, it's normally every 15 minutes, isn't it? So if they do, a, I was going to yeah. go with the 4.15, a warm-up. And then one the Liverpool one because I've done the half marathon so often and I kind of know the pattern mm. of the um, the gradients. Get to South Liverpool where everything else is downhill and then speed up. So, but yeah, the three forty five. It might be better, wouldn't it? Go three forty five. Get halfway through. Take the pressure off yourself and then enjoy the back yeah. end. Hmm, let me think. Remember yeah. coming out of Liverpool, you go up towards the ground, don't you? You go up towards Stanley Park and Goodison and Anfield, and that's all uphill. And then you run back towards town and then you go uphill again to the South Park, the Sefton Park, the South End, and then you come down again. But you're, you're running on, um, it, you know, it's your first marathon, like you're running on adrenaline a little bit. I, I was worried about that as well because when I was looking at the course, it looks like a big hill. You know, um, yeah. you know the bridge, when you run over the bridge, you all the way from the start to halfway across the bridge is all uphill. But it didn't feel like that when I was doing it. It really yeah. didn't. Even though the, I knew the hill was there, like I was just running. And I got, by the time I'd run about 3K, I was like, I'm running at a too slow a pace here. I need to start speeding up. So I slowly sped up. But then I'd lost, I'd, I'd lost five minutes basically on my four hour time. Yeah. And couldn't make, and couldn't make it back up by the end. It plays with your head, doesn't it? It plays with your head mm-hmm. when you. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know what, I'm, I think I'm going to follow that because I know it plays with my head if you're chasing a time. You just kind of sit back. And then with the Liverpool one, the last few miles, it's like the Great North Run where you're on the front, you're on the seafront. And that can just, one year, the sun was that bad, um, people were just stopping 
because it was just crazy. There was no air, no nothing. And then other years, you've literally got a headwind for the last uh, four miles, five miles, something like that. Can't remember. Because ours is in, ours is in spring, uh, and I can't remember the exact temperature it got to. It may have got to about twenty four degrees by like twelve, you know, midday. But it was like I was like I was I was going fast, and it was about the last five k. The heat just caught up with me, and I just I was too hot, and I couldn't um, I couldn't I couldn't go any faster, and I was just slowing down, slowing down <laughs> right up until say the last half a k, and then. Yeah. You know, I did, I did the hero half K finish sprint at home. Oh, well, this ours is always in May, isn't it? But obviously this year it's in October, so it could go the other way. You, you could abandon all hopes of any time run, particularly if your first one, because it could be blowing a gale. Yeah, yeah. You just you just don't know what the UK will bring in October. But but I, I feel more confident now with following this this well, you know, the thing I'm doing lately is following this new map. An old boss of mine said, if you measure it, you manage it. And the new map, um, I'm using the food logging section every single day, and I'm using the weight logging section every single day. And then, do you, do you do that as soon as you're like you've eaten your breakfast? You, you type it in as you're eating it, so it's done, or do you do it at the end of the day? No, I do it. I do it before anything. So I'll, when I get up to take the dogs out at like five half five, I just sit in the kitchen with them for a minute. Um, sometimes I give them a bit of you know, a treat or whatever. And um, I'll read, they have lessons every day. And it says like, you know, two minutes to read, three minutes to read. It takes about 12 minutes normally to read them. And I'll read them. I'll weigh myself uh, uh, in the back kitchen and then I'll log that. And then I won't uh, eat. I'll just drink a cup of tea when I walk the dogs. So I'm trying to just do a little bit of walk and exercise whilst, um, you know, fasted, if you like. And then when I come back, okay, yeah. that's what I do. And then when I come back and then I'll start logging my foods and I'll log them, I'll try and log them as a go. Or if I know I want a treat. So last night uh, we may had some family round. I know I was going to get this chicken like skewer tandoori healthy option from the, the curry place. So I'll write that in and they'll just have a generic number and go, okay, well that's 700 calories. All right, sound. So I, I know I'm okay, or I'll have like I'll have like uh, two beers. So so what's that? And then I'll put that in and go. Okay, I'm not going to go too over the top because I was doing so well in the week and then splurging the weekend and bouncing up like six seven pounds in weight. So now they say that if you just fluctuate two pounds per day, don't get stressed about it. So I'll go like 14 10 14 14 12, or I'll go 15 or 15 two, and I'll just control it that way. But um, I say I need to that line that I'm bouncing around, that 15-0 line, I need that to be a few pounds lighter. So, again, press up. Give you that leeway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to have a yeah. little bit. I've been doing that as well, actually, the um, the press-ups, the sit-ups, the step-ups. So when we go to the park, doing like a, you know, if I'm only doing a half an hour jog, then doing like a little five, seven, and then the workout at the end of it. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Can't do them around here, Chris, on the parks around here. You know, the kids will, kids will throw stones at you or the motorbikes will get you or the dog poo will land on you. I've seen one fella doing it's it funny. where everyone walks the dogs. And I walked home and went, mate, I wouldn't do that to here if I was you. <laughs> if the dog poo doesn't get you, <laughs> one of them lads on a motorbike will. But, well, there's lots of dogs about, but um, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a proper 
well-managed park. If, if you're caught with your dog off the lead, which our dogs are always off its lead, but if you're caught, they'll find you. Um, but it's, it's massive. It was funny because when the lockdown was on, you know, you could still go out. Well, the only, one of the only reasons you could go out was to exercise, and the park was packed on a weekday. So everyone was working from home and then just going and doing their gym sessions. There was people were taking big setups and, and you know, big white bars, like um, <laughs> balls and, and mats and having like, you know, three or four in a session and doing all that. So so um, it's just the best, it's the best place to exercise, really is good. I love it. Sounds better than my one. <laughs> yeah. But I think going back to the food theme, I think um, it, it sounds a bit hippie-ish, I always think. But if you put in the healthy foods and, and you do control it, and I think you said in your what you posted on Medium, um, learn to love those foods, then mm. the rest of it becomes easier because you feel better. So I notice if when I get up in the morning, if I've had like some wine as a treat or um, if um, the girls got those um, over here, Christy, you know, do deliveries, but they'll do like milkshake deliveries, but they're effectively just like blobs of ice cream. And oh, yeah. For, yeah, for one of my treats, I had like a little bit of that. I didn't have them all because they're not my favourite anyway, but oh, well, I've been going well, I'll have a treat. And then the next day, you just feel, oh, it just felt terrible. I had It's like, you know, it's like too much sugar when you're not used to it. Well, then, this, soon, this is it. Yeah, as soon as you get back to, you know, eating right, um, you, you just feel better. And you're just better in your head as well. I still take my vitamins and stuff. But that's all coming away from, you know, that how, how processed is an ice cream-based bloody milkshake. Exactly. Mm. And that, that's, as you said, that's what I was writing about this weekend, you know, I've been on a journey to to move away from that stuff over years and years, and it's not a simple task to just uh, turn it off and go right. This is this is what I eat now. You've got to you've got to learn to love those foods. You've got to start buying them. You've got to learn how to cook them, and you've got to make an effort because it's you know if you've got a cabbage in the fridge, you're all right. What, what the you know what the hell am I going to do with the cabbage? You, you've really got to think about yeah. it, and you've got to think what can go with it versus oh, there's a bag of Doritos there and there's cheese there and oh, yep. there's a stick of salami there. Oh, bang, I've got a meal. I don't need to think, I'll just eat those. But as you just said, then once you've eaten the processed food um, and and they're called ultra-processed foods now because, you know, some of the things that you, you know, you, you, you're eating a, a corn chip, well, the amount of corn in it is probably minute and everything else is sugar, fat, flavourings, um, you know, preservatives or all, all of that crap. You're basically just eating eating that and, and eating calories. That the only the only thing that you're getting from it is calories, which is going to keep you alive, but it's not giving you it's not giving you any, you know, fibre or vitamins or minerals. But and they're the things, like you said, once you eat whole foods, that's why you feel good. It's because they contain all those things and, and that's what your body wants and body needs. It doesn't need food flavourings and, and you know and crap like that. It's a weird bit of psychology, isn't it, to think that those things you buy in the supermarket and stuff, you just you just trust. So, you know, if you if you extend that out to like elite elite athletes, and you know, we see stories of um, people who failed drug tests and things, and it's ah, oh, I just ate that bit of meat. Some bloke passed me. I think you absolute fool. You don't monitor every single thing that goes in your body, and you know all of that. And you know, we'll me and you will talk about them and criticise them, whether they're a cyclist or a sprinter or a weight. 
And then what, what do we do? Just go to the local supermarket and the sandwich says chicken and bacon, but it's just white. It's white stuff. And, and, and just like, Mystery meat. <laughs> well, we had the scandal over here, didn't we, with the uh, the horse meat in the... Um, oh, they, were, they were feeding the... Oh, no, they were actually selling horse meat, weren't they? Yeah, they were horse passing meat, it off the so, when you looked at it, the horse meat came from abroad, like Romania, I think, almost one country. And then they'll get chopped up and processed. And they ended up in lasagnas in uh, Iceland supermarket. And um, it was something our enemy daughter at a lot. And say she was like 12 or 13. And I told her, she was like, oh, but they're nice, aren't they? And then carried on eating them. But they had to take them off the shelf. But that was horse uh, yeah. meat. Do, 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 I don't know if my dad told you this story. I remember him telling me, you know, he's stuck with me. He said when he was a kid, his, his mum, so our grandma, um, sent him down the shop to the butcher and gave, you know, gave him the money for the butcher and said, all right, go down and get me, you know, I don't know what it was, two steaks, say. And um, she said, but go on the butcher on the right. Don't go the butcher on the left. And he's going, all right, yeah. So he goes down the street and he goes to the butcher on the right and there's a massive queue out the door. Looks at the butcher on the left. There's no queue. He goes, oh, she'll never know. So he goes in there, asks for two steaks, goes back. You went in this shop on the left. I told you not to. And he's like, well, how did you know? And she's like, because they sell bloody horse meat. <laughs> it's horse meat instead of real meat. And, and that was, you know. I can't believe that they used to sell it. 60 years ago. I know. But it's, and then in France, I, I remember seeing a, a bumper sticker. And I won't try and say it. Uh, Neman Cheval Par or something. And I was like, what did that mean? And I kind of translated it. And it was um, say no to horse meat. So that was only a few years ago. I'm driving around France. Oh. Um, yeah. So they're saying oh. say no to horse meat. You know, they're a horse lover. And then, you know, extend that even more. And you've got all the pictures at the moment in China with the dogs, haven't you? Me and two dogs. Oh. Would, would you eat one? Some days I think I'd eat Dan cool. just to stop her from barking. But other than, other than three one. <laughs> but... Um, no, she's all right. No, but that's that's if you if you come back to the food on what is good and what is bad, the ultra processed stuff, it, it, your body struggles with it, doesn't it? Like the trans fats, you mm. know, certain countries have banned trans fats, haven't they? So you know, a, a fat which is called a lipid, it is just it's morphed into a position where it keeps that food on the shelf for longer. So the only th- reason that is there is that one, your body, it's not poison, it's not a poison to your body. But the, the, the main reason it is there is that it keeps their product on the shelf for longer. So mm-hmm. that is it. That's why trans fat was invented, wasn't it? So it's yeah. just it's just mad. And then you'll go, oh, yeah, that bread looks nice. Well, that bread keeps for longer. And then if you go to France again and you get a baguette, by the next day it's done. You, you can't eat it. It's rock hard because it's got none of those preservatives in from, the, you know, the last right. Well, in France, I remember I was talking to someone when we were over there and they said, they buy a loaf in the morning and a loaf on the way home. So they'll yeah. buy bread twice a day, fresh bread twice a day. Yeah. You know, because there's nothing else in it. You know, it's just flour. And and, um, and we buy the sourdough here. And that normally lasts. The first day you buy a sourdough loaf is like, is the best thing you'll ever put in your mouth. It's just amazing when you get it fresh from the bakery. The bread that we get, we, we go just an, an amazing bakery. Um, and... The next day, it's still fine. Then the third day, it's getting a bit... You can only really use it for toast. And then the fourth day, it's it's a brick. It's in the bin. <laughs> Have you ever seen... There's a programme over here with uh, Michelle Rue Jr. And it's um, 
his his mate or he employed him to to run one of his main restaurants called Fred French guy's dead funny he's been on a few shows and they were going around the cities and saying um you know let's go to uh, Rome and, and and eat some of the stuff there and they went to Paris being in mind Michel Roux Jr is <coughs> born in England but his, obviously his dad was French and famous uh, chef and then this guy Fred is French and they went to Paris and they were they they didn't do anything else they went for a um, a ham baguette excuse me that's um that was what they they went and said this is the best food in the city and as i said mm-hmm. and again a queue out the door and it was just a hamburger with butter and it was just brilliant yeah. <laughs> so yeah i remember they were the best butties when we mum and dad took us to france and we went and it was mm-hmm. just a camembert and baguette and that was what we had every dinner time every day camembert. we filmed it we went to uh, we went on one of the first easy jet flights over to um to Cannes. we stayed just outside of Cannes, somewhere on that south coast, and um, and we were camping and had no money. And we yeah, we just used to buy a baguette, rip it in half, stuff it with cheese, ham, and, and tomatoes, and and it was, and it and it's you know it would have been proper ham, you know, not heavily processed. I mean, yeah. ham's processed anyway, but it, it would have been you know probably free range, nice. Not com- compared to like the the sandwich crap that you you were saying before that you just that you buy now or you, you can you know you, we used to buy then um, the tomatoes would have been you know picked quite fresh from a farm and tasted like proper tomatoes and and, and compare that to like the the crap you get in the supermarket where it's it's picked green and then sits in a um, it sits in a warehouse for like three months and slowly goes red and then it's stuck on the shelf and it's pumped, you know, full of full of chemicals so it looks perfect. There's no flavour in that in that tomato. Whereas you get something that's, you know, a bit deformed and out of shape from a from a, a farmer's market or no, it doesn't have to be a fancy farmer's market, but just any fresh fruit market where you buy stuff that's been grown locally. Um, Australia's pretty lucky because it's got it's so big. And it's got the different states in different seasons. So when you know we're in winter in Sydney or winter in Melbourne, the um, Queensland's still growing fruit, you know, because it's warmer up there, or My you know, God. Perth or Northern Territory. So it's they're really lucky that they don't need to import much food at all. You can you can pretty much get away with just eating locally grown seasonal food. I don't know what that's like in the UK though, because they probably still import a lot of European produce, don't they? Yeah, I'm not sure on the stats of that, and things are going to change, aren't they, when we we move out the EU and stuff. But it is it's obviously mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a different different climate, isn't it? So it's hard to get some of the bits. But one of the things that's happened, I think, with this COVID nineteen, is um, because the supermarket queues have been so big. Not me for one, but not only me because I see it. It's starting to use the more local shops again. So the local mm-hmm. food shop that has been there for 20, 30 years that I would only go because it was next to the cash machine or um the kebab place now you're going and you're going in and and you so buy where do they get the would ask them where they buy their fruit from yeah so we listen to a guy on the radio and and they yeah they bring it in from all over so i'd be really interested to know where your local shop is buying i mean it's obviously from a wholesaler but like where was it grown i know i don't know if um how much you'll know but I'll have a look at the boxes as well but you know remember the fruit market which was in the other side of Liverpool mm-hmm. 
that was yeah, open yeah. like five. So that, that's obviously where it'll go. But then the butcher as well. So using the local butcher, and I did speak to the local butcher, and he did say he tries to get it local. And I was actually asking, could I buy some bones for the dogs? And he said, oh, no, it doesn't come in on the bone anymore. So there's some, there's a process between, like, the abattoir, if you like, and him, where he just wow. gets these pieces of meat. And he said, yeah, he said, I've been a butcher for, like, 30 years, but I don't get to use the skill anymore. I was like, oh, strange, okay. So I wonder where he gets his stuff from, because if you go butcher down the road, he's got massive big bones and things like that. So there's obviously something changed in the background as well. Um, but yeah, I find out. But again, it's like the it's the industrialization of food, isn't it? That's the that's what's happened. You know, even you know the abattoir, they're probably they're probably now doing a rough bit of butcher butchery to um, on a huge scale to cut out one of the links in the chain to reduce cost. The worst bit I saw, I've saw on an abattoir things on the telly. And if you ever see a phrase and you'll see it in, you'll see it in pet food, um, but you'll see the phrase mechanically removed meat. And what that means is they were showing you, um, it was about Donna kebab meat, you know, the elephant's leg that turns on the spit. And in that is mechanically removed meat. So when all the cuts, you know, the the they hang the animal up, and then they have a machine that rips the skin off, and then the machine the the animal goes down, and where you have the butcher standing, and they, they cut all the different bits. And at the end, you've got the carcass of the animal with sinew and tendon and bits and bobs still on where the butchers, you know, kind of trimmed it. So that mm. gets like where a powerful jet wash will get jet washed off or on this TV show, the guy's there with like a 500 bar jet wash and it'll knock it all off. And all that stuff that lands there is called mechanically removed meat. And then that can get put into all sorts of different, you know, horrible ultra processed foods. And the one they were talking about at that time was saying that's where an amount of donomy comes from. You know, it's like with binds, binding agents and spices and all those things. We grew up eating veg. Our mum forced us to eat vegetables and stuff, even though we might not have always liked it. It's not me, mum and dad's generation anyway, but there was loads of us, wasn't it? And it was hard to afford. So so we never come from that world, really, did we? You know, to go to the chippy maybe on a, a Saturday, you know, it was like, it, it was chips and something else, wasn't it? So my mum would give you ham or something like that, but then you'd have chippy chips with it. Uh, that's, that's kind of what we grew up into. We never, you know... We never went to the pub. Like, imagine how many times our LMI daughters mm. been up with us, you know, to eat food. Yeah. It's 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 a generational thing, but because there was, you know, we are yeah. from a family. We, of eight. we got that from my mum, exactly. But we got that from my mum and dad because I remember they, my dad used to. I don't know if you remember. He used to buy a big box of fruit and, and yeah. veg on a Saturday. Yeah, remember yeah. that? I think yeah. And we'd all get stuck into it, eating apples yeah. and bananas and oranges yeah. and stuff. On it, <laughs> it'd all go on on the first and second day. Like five um, big boxes. And by the end of the week, there was just there was just sprouts left. Yeah, no one likes sprouts. Even people who say they do don't believe them. They're I do them. now. Do no. now. You just gotta cook them. You gotta cook them right. It tastes like soil. But on, on like the fruit and veg notes, this new map that I'm doing, the, the one out of all the times I've done this, so the amount of times my weight's gone up and down, it, unbelievable. But out of everything I've done, I always come back to, you can try Atkins, 
you can try veganism, you can try all these things, but ultimately for me, what it's doing is it's it's measuring it, you're managing it, you're controlling your calorific intake. Now, what Noom has done different, and I, I say it like I work for them, I don't, I paid me money and I seen it advertised on the telly and I thought it looked a bit different. And the one thing that I get from it is the red, amber, green foods. So it doesn't say no, it doesn't ban them. In fact, now and again, it encourages you to have a treat. You mentioned you were putting syrup, like golden syrup, and I know that golden syrup's a um, best. I'd, what is it though? Is it is it is it is it artificial sugar? Is it, is it just sugar. reduced sugar? Yes, refined sugar. reduced refined sugar, isn't it? Isn't it sugar? You can make syrup if you boil sugar. Yeah, you boil sugar and water, and you get a syrup. Um, so I've told you before, what I put in my porridge is dates. So I just get a bag, not, not even the, the expensive medjool dates. I just buy, a, it's about three or four dollars for about, I don't know, maybe 500 grams worth of dates. And so in my porridge, I'll just chop up four dates and throw them in the porridge. And, I, and as the porridge is cooking and heating up, the, the, the dates will dissolve. So, it, it, you know, and they're, they're really sweet. And I'd be interested to know because they are quite dense. Like you were saying, um, like nuts are dense in in calorific cal- cal- terms. Density, uh, I can't eat dates. in your in your app to see what it says. Can't eat them because they kill the monkey on raids of the lost ark. So never had dates since then. Did they choke on the stone or something? No, they put trying to poison Indiana Jones and he, the, the the monkey at it. The dates are off, Indy. But when we went to Abu Dhabi. I bought like a big box of dates and like, the, the, you know, they're a delicacy over there. So they, they stick like, um, you know, pistachios in them or they'll cover them in chocolate or do all different things to them. Oh, they were amazing. Like the most amazing things. Oh, I could eat them all day, honestly. I do eat them all day. And when I'm just like thinking, oh, I'll just have a, a, another drink and a snack. I'll have like a, a date with a spoonful of um, peanut butter on it. And that's amazing. It's like eating chocolate. For me, it's just like eating a block of chocolate. I'll have a so good. But, but that's what on the Noom app they encourage the um, they encourage the treat. But then they just what they say is is time limit them. So I'm trying to think. Oh, so I like cheesecake. Don't have it often, but I like cheesecake. So it'll say have cheesecake, but that that's like one treat within a week. Say, um, so you know the. The banana kind of smoothie ice cream you're saying that could be um you could maybe have that twice a week but that's how it tries to control yeah. it is it just says yeah go get a treat but maybe the cheesecake because it's so dense and so rich um try and some, think of what you can swap it for yeah so something yeah. that's going to give you that same kind of hit yeah. yeah so it does that a lot it talks about techniques of you know avoidance substitution uh, I can't remember them all now, but you, you read through each lesson and you kind of take the bits that you need from it. Ultimately, I'm I'm okay in, in following it for a short period of time. And then now I'm I'm trying to get a bit of a balance and kind of shooting just a, a couple of pounds too heavy, the wrong side of the balance. So things like that, banana thing. I love bananas. I'm, I'm definitely going to try it. I'm definitely going to try it. Yeah, another one is um, like something I used to get caught up with a lot is like, you know, eating toast and things like that. And, um, you know, again, as snacks, just, I'll just make a piece of toast. And then if you do that, like, if you're working from home, you do that three or four times a day. Yeah. Uh, So, again, another snack I I swapped out was buying, um, or sometimes I'll make it, but I buy um, 
you know, chickpeas, uh, what's called uh, hummus. And instead of instead of eating it with with uh, crackers or or whatever, you know, um, corn chips, just having it with celery or, or carrots. And again, it's not not new. It's not different. But um, as a snack, it's it's much healthier for you. And you know, you, you can fill that little gap that you that you might have in your day where you think oh, I just need a little something tasty and filling to get me through to, to the dinner time. Something like that is a really good one to have, especially for work, because you can take it and put it in a, in a plastic tub and put it in the fridge and just have it there when you need it. But the hummus is dense, you see. So that would be like a yellow or something like that on, on the new map. Um, it's like the cedar bread. So cedar bread's good for you, isn't it? But that's not a green. That's a yellow. Um, pita bread. So you think pita bread's better than, than white bread, which it probably is. But then I'm sure pita bread was a red. Uh, so that that's why I, I say it's like kind of changing how I'm focusing on the foods. So the I, I pretty much stopped eating bread really. I eat a bit of multi seed yeah. every, every now and again. I certainly yeah. don't. Eat bread, bread is a bad one, but the sourdough bread. It'd be interesting to know what sourdough is in that. And with sourdough bread, it, yeah, it should just be it should just be like a wholemeal flour, water, and salt. That should be it. There shouldn't be any other under any other ingredients in the bread. But I, I reckon. But if you're buying a commercial one, it probably will still have some preservative or or something like that in it. It's a red food in the new map. A sourdough is okay. Yeah. So toasted sourdough bread underneath it. It's a red food. So it limits you. It limits you to to how much you you, you should eat of it. How, how much? How much? So what's it? So it doesn't tell you how much. It just says it's red. So it's 180 um, calories um, on slice. Yeah, and then where is it? Is it logged anything? Oh no, I haven't done nothing yet. And then out of like 1,500 calories for today, 1,640 calories for today. There's only uh, around 300 of those calories can be in the red. So you can eat it, but there's only 120 of the red calories left. And because it's red, you, you, the psychology is you try and avoid the red. So I, I'll extend the yellow before I go into the red. So I'll eat an extra chicken breast rather than eat something that'll put me in the red zone. Mm. Oh, that'd be hard for me. I don't want the bread. Yeah, I naturally don't like that stuff. I kind of eat a bit too much. So, And then I like the savoury stuff anyway. Uh, crisps is the one for me. But on the, um, just thinking about your your blog that you put on medium the, the the idea of drinking more water so um mm. really one for me you can get water through tea and stuff like that but obviously drinking water on its own it, it's it's cleaner and healthier but i read something that often if you're hungry or if you're feeling a bit um a bit lethargic or a bit low it's because you are dehydrated so i really really focus on getting the water in and when it was warm here a few weeks back and i was running I did a little experiment where I was drinking tea and drinking water one day and I ran. And this is when I was kind of getting my miles wrong and my pacing wrong. And the next day, um, I didn't drink much and just went out and see what it was like because I was obsessed with trying to get my number down. So if you've got no water in you, you, you your weight number will come down. It's a bit of a you know mm. thing. So I ran that night, felt absolutely awful. And I ran slower than the night before. The next day, I went back to my water and then ran the same pace and just felt like perceived exertion effort, just normal again. Even That's though, interesting. honestly, the night before, my heart rate was a little bit lower and I went a little bit slower and felt 
terrible. Felt like I was running through sand. And then once you get home and you go to the toilet and you pee and it's like uh, dark yellow. And then the next day you're just going back to normal, like straw colour, as they say. Um, mm-hmm. Honest, just pick your pace back up. The, the, the difference. Yeah. And like the last five miles from my 20 mile when I walked, jogged, and I had no water left at all and I was running along that the canal. And there's just nothing and the sun was out and I had my rucksack on. So, but anyway, but yeah, it's just really important is, is that drinking the water one. Because yeah. once you get all of that, um, you are going in to, to healthy habits. So you've got to try and keep on measuring it, keep on managing it. You need some good feedback. So I'm at that point now where I've plateaued. So I need to try, try something different. And the new map has kind of led me that way um, to do the body weights, like we said earlier. But then I need to then to do a stretch target. My stretch target, 14.7. And now um, get me distance. I want to do a, a 10K and I want to do that eight-minute mile. And so I want to do a 50-minute 10K. So that, that's my little personal target now. 14 stone seven and um, get ready for uh, a 49 minute or a 50 minute 10K. So that's, that's what I'm going to set myself. So everyone needs to set a target, set a goal. I might plan to do a park run when that's up and running again um, and, and try for a fast 5K. Do you want to start there? That's what the math yeah, is, yeah. isn't it? Just do just do yeah. month fast five fast five k a month. Um, my old um, when I was I, I signed up for that triathlon and I signed up for the triathlon training coach. It was every six weeks uh, go and do a park run and and put the time down and don't be scared of putting the time down. You know, mm. have a go and write it down and then in six weeks time go again. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll do that. I'm not sure if is is your park run back back on again. No, I haven't checked. No, nothing like that. Um, nothing like that's allowed to happen, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think ours will be either, to be honest. And then it's volunteers at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of little targets for us, and then we can kind of report back on how we're getting on with them. Um, so I think this kind of ends this section. Um, we should then move mm-hmm. on to um, books and podcasts. now we're talking about books and podcasts anything that we've been reading or listening to in the last little while so a book that i read it was within the last year i've read it it's um it's by a guy called michael pollan he's an, uh, an american uh, journalist and author he's he writes some great stuff he starts the book by talking about well, how we knew where food come from basically it used these to be small farms where they they'd have a diversity of crops and animals and that food was then sold locally. So people would, you know, go to the farmer and buy their food from them. And and so they knew where, where it was coming from. It wasn't getting shipped across the world. But then all that changed with the industrialization of food and factory-based food. So we were talking earlier about ultra-processed foods. That, that's why that has become prevalent, because all these corporations, you know, they want to expand across the world. They want to make a product and then ship it here, there and everywhere. And they want it to be able to sit on the shelves you know, for weeks and months at a time. So that's why they're, they're pumped full of all these chemicals to keep them to keep them from going off. And that's where problems have started for food. So so this book, it looks at the industrialization of food and he goes through four sections. So he goes through industrial food, industrial organic. So that's the organic movement that grew out of industrialization to say, look, we need to get back to this. And then that was developed further to go into a true organic food. And then he looks at a final section where he talks about hunter-gatherer 
Um, and then he tries to create a meal from each of these different food chains and traces them back to their origin. So he goes and visits industrialized uh, meat farming where all the cows are, you know, living in squalor just on, on mud and they're getting fed grain. And then he goes to like beautiful permaculture farms where they've got they've got animals grazing on grass and then the dung is then fertilizing the soil and all of that. It's really well documented book as i said he's a great writer he's a great storyteller as, as a history of food and, and how you know we got to the position we're in today where we don't know what we're doing basically is um it's it's really good i'd recommend it so that's michael holland's omnivore's dilemma so john what have you been um listening to the one uh, podcast that i've been listening to lately started up again is um it's Jason Fox's podcast, which is um, called the Wild Tales Podcast, is what he calls it. Jason Fox um, in the UK is an ex-Special Forces guy, he's an ex-Royal Marine, and he's yeah. on um, he's on the show, um, the SS Reality Show on Channel 4. It's in about its fourth or fifth uh, series now. It's had a couple of celebrity ones and stuff, and I'm, I really like it. I particularly really like him. Um, he uh, he put a book out about two years ago, and I've never ever done this before or since. And I went and bought three copies of the book: one for a mate, one for me dad, and one for me. And I queued up and I got him to sign it. I didn't. I think my phone had ran out, but people were getting took pictures. And he said, uh, "All right, mate, do you want a selfie?" And I just went, "No." I'm all right. Like he kind of looked at me and just I just went, "No, I just want to shake your hand." I, I said, "I've already read your book." He went, "It only came out last week." I said, no, I've read it already on, on the Kindle. I said, sorry, I've, I've ordered three. Can you sign them all? I don't apologise about that, mate. He's like, <laughs> but he's, he's a big dude. He's um same size as me, only more muscular, more, you know, um, like kind of, you know, the skinny waist and the broad shoulders and the big chest, as you'd, you know, you'd think one of them guys look like when they don't actually all look like him, believe it or not. But he was just a, a proper cool guy. And in his, his book, uh, Battle Scars, is where he talks about when he comes out of the forces and he suffered from PTSD and then he, he actually went into a similar industry that I've been in it was quite funny uh, reading about it and and obviously his his life now is is around the media and he's done a great show uh, called The Real Narcos as well which you can get on Netflix where he goes and looks at the drug trade in the you know Central American countries but his podcast is really good and the reason I say it is um, he's got an episode four out with Ed Stafford, who's uh, like an adventurer, again, ex-military guy. But there's an episode with a bloke called Ross Edgley. And um, Ross Edgley is fantastic. He's from this neck of the woods. I think he's from Chester. Um, but he has got a book out called The Fittest Book. I think the fittest book ever. And he talks about some of the things he got up to. And he's a little stocky, really muscular guy. Went to Loughborough University, speaks very well, very bubbly personality. And he swam around the British Isles. Um, wow. so, yeah. Over How long did that take him? Month, months and months. It took him about four months. But he did like uh, video logs and stuff and you followed him. And he's just like the happiest dude in the world. And he's got his tongues falling apart. And he was calling it rhino neck where the wetsuit was rubbing on him. The jellyfish stinging him. And he's just laughing his head off. He's a proper funny guy. But listening to them two talk, because he seems to be as much enamoured with Jason Fox as Jason Fox is with him. Um, about you know the things they've done, so yeah, you need to listen to that. He talks to his mate in one of them, Ollie Ollerton. Um, yeah, he talks to a few, and I haven't listened to the Ed Stafford one, so I think that'll be tonight's run. I'll put that one on and do a little slow, slow long one tonight. So yeah, that's that's my recommendation for the week. 
Right, so let's repeat our goals for everybody. So I'm sticking to um, 50 minute 10K and 14 stone seven, hovering around there. And you are 5K every four yep. weeks is your target. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll do that before we, we next speak again. Yeah, and I'll see how close I can get to that 14 seven. Right, speak to everyone next time.